Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. Roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to the Monday edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. We're in the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. It's a beautiful day here in South Mississippi, and we're glad you're with us on the program, whether you're listening on a Super Talk affiliate or online, however you join us. Uh, thanks for coming along for the ride. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. We love those guys. We like talking about them at the start of the show every day. Delicious food seven days a week in the drive-thru, dining room, or takeout, however you choose. Just be sure you choose Dickie's. And remember, Dickie's is always there for your catering of your uh, business, your church, your home, whatever uh, your catering needs may be. All right, it's Monday. We always talk to our good friend, uh, baseball coach Scott Berry. Five games for the Golden Eagles uh, in the past week, since the last time we talked, a nice win over Alabama in the midweek. And then the first of four game series that we're seeing uh, all year long in Conference USA with uh, Louisiana Tech. Uh, the Golden Eagles uh, and the Bulldogs split the doubleheader on Saturday. The Eagles lose two one run games on Friday and Sunday. And, Coach, I know that frustrates you. Luke and I were talking before we went on the air. We've, we've learned so much about college baseball in our conversations with you, but. Now, I guess you're going to tell me I'm right about this. 22 people left on base uh, in those two one-run losses, and that's the difference in the ball games. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, Bob, we could have been very easily 3-1 and one on the weekend. Uh, but because of missed opportunities, uh, you know, some other things that, that happened, we didn't make a play or two here in, in one inning that led to three runs. And then, you know, we didn't get some stops a couple of times out of the bullpen that we have been all year long. So those things factor in, you know, we're one and three as opposed to, to three and one. But you're exactly right. Leaving people on base and, and not being able to, to get those runs in and build that momentum and keep it going are sometimes can be the, the difference between that loss and that win. Well, that's right. And, and it's, it, it's the, one of the great things about college baseball to me is the games can turn on just one pitch, one play. And you take the game Friday night, the runners at second and third, one out, you're one run down. You know, you're one you're you're one hit away from winning that game uh, by one instead of losing it by one. Absolutely. You know, we missed on those opportunities on on Friday night for sure. I mean, we looking back, you know, that was that's the one that really sets that's bad in my stomach because I know we could have won that game and should have won that game, mm-hmm. but we just didn't do the little things when those opportunities were uh, were made available by us. I mean, we're the one that created the opportunities. We just couldn't finish it and cash it in. But you had another great pitching performance uh, by Stanley on Friday night. We did. You know, he came out, didn't go as deep in the game as, as he's normally done, but, you know, he did go six innings, uh, just gave up three hits, um, had seven strikeouts and three walks, which is not characteristic of him, but – you know, I think another example of, of of Hunter not having his best stuff, but being able to go out and pitch and give his team a chance to win. And and let's don't forget now, and I know you know this, but Louisiana Tech, 
is that's the best team we've played this this year, uh, no mm-hmm. doubt. I mean, offensively, they are solid. They have balance from top to bottom. Uh, you know, they're they're whatever they don't get you with the right hand, they can get you with the left hand. So. You know, that's a very good club that we went toe-to-toe with on the weekend. Great minds think alike, Coach. That was going to be my next question to you. Wasn't that the best team we've played all year? I thought they were uh, I thought they were exceptionally good. And, look, I know you don't make excuses, and I'm not making excuses, and there no t- there's no room for excuses. But there was a huge difference in age and experience with these two teams. That's a senior-laden baseball team, and I was just curious throughout the weekend, how much of a factor you think that experience had? Well, I know from our previous teams, it's a huge factor. I mean, we've some of our better teams that we've ever had here since I've been here, and even with Coach Palmer back as an assistant, were, were guys that were older guys. You look back in 03 and how heavy we were with veterans on that one the year that we hosted the regional. We won the conference outright. We won the conference tournament at Tulane where we hadn't had success. That was an older group. And when you have that older group, you have much more maturity. You've had many, many more at-bats at under your belt. You've been tested. You've failed. You've learned from failure. There are just so many things that factor in. Uh, you know, you look a lot of times at, at Major League Baseball players, some of their best years are their latter years because they, they, they've learned how to slow the game down. They know how to play the game, and, and that's what you have with college kids too. And, and you're supposed to. You know, as they get older, they're supposed to get better. Right, no question. And, and and look, let's give full credit to Louisiana Tech. Like you say, that is a good-looking baseball team, and uh, and, and they're well-coached and uh, very athletic. Luke, uh, get in here with Coach Berry. Coach, just looking at some of the offensive stats I was breaking down earlier today, four games, uh, your hitters strike out 23 times, and but you walk 20 times, and it seems as if over the last really two weeks – Golden Eagles have really, I guess, taken Charlie Fisher's approach to the plate a little better. Charlie walked six times over the weekend, but it seems as if this this young team we just uh, just talked about, it seems like they're being a little more patient at the plate. Well, they are, and we're we're having better at bats. I mean, I see it. Uh, you know, the problem is, is that it seems like when it's time to really cash in. We're not getting those at-bats and, and doing sometimes just the little things of putting the ball in play in a certain certain area, not necessarily the hit. Everybody wants the hit, obviously. But sometimes it's just a ground ball to the second baseman, as we saw on Friday night, that gets us that all-important run in. And, and, you know, we're still trying to learn how to do that and understand how to do that and compete when those situations come up. But... We had some really good at-bats this weekend. You know, obviously, Gabe, if he can continue, I mean, he's kind of setting the tone, and you're starting to see some other guys that are building in behind him. Uh, you know, Trimble, obviously, from the left side, is, is, his stats are better, but yesterday had a big hit from the right side there that, that scored a run in an all-important situation, actually tied that game up. So, uh, you know, we just we just got to keep grinding it out and get, get Get better as we go. You talked about Montenegro, 8 of 15 on the weekend. I think he his whole batting average probably went up 70 points over the weekend. He's at 293 now. Um, Reese Ewing had had a really good first two games. Uh, didn't have game three and four. Didn't go like, you know, what, what he thought. But uh, McGillis had a big day yesterday and, you know, still waiting for uh, – Andrew Stanley did a really good job getting, getting on with some walks and scored a couple runs. But, you know, that 7-8 and even that 9 position need a little more production of them going forward. 
Yeah, I mean, you're right. Down there in the bottom uh, bottom part of the order, you know, that's sometimes where those can be the backbreakers for you. Uh, you know, we've had teams before where that eight and nine hole have really done well for us. You know, I remember LaMarcus Boyd would hit in the nine hole when he was kind of that sleeping giant for you down there and really got a lot of runs in for us uh, just because people think they're a nine hole hitter. You know, they can't hit. So, you know, we need our guys down there later in the order to be able to pick it up and, and get some of those all-important hits that we need. Looking at um, pitching-wise, and it was kind of, uh, Coach, you were your pitching kept you in game one, couldn't get some of those crucial. But but yesterday, bats responded, and, you know, kind of like the early woes in the season, we had a, have a bad inning here and there and, you know, let them back in it in the sixth and seventh, let them go ahead. Yeah, you know, uh, of course, yesterday's game, I thought Drew threw pretty well. You know, he kept them off balance. Those guys really like like the ball, you know, with some velocity to it. And, and Drew can kind of add and subtract on his fastball and really kind of keep them off balance. And he was able to do that covering five innings. But, you know, our guys that came in the bullpen for whatever reason – uh, you know, particularly there in the in the sixth inning when we didn't make some plays defensively, we really just kind of beat ourselves right there. We we gave them a chance to get back in that game uh, when we should have uh, you know should have been able to get some stops there. But I think the key too in yesterday's game is we come out and we score four in the first two innings, and then we go zero 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 all the way to the bottom of the seventh. So. You know, we, if we could have continued to build and, and score more runs like we did in game one of the doubleheader, uh, you know, obviously I think we'd have been, uh, we, we kind of would have buried them, but we just kind of put the brakes on and, and didn't score. And, and of course, with that kind of offense that Louisiana Tech has, if you don't keep the margin out there, you know, in your favor and keep building on it, they have a chance to catch up. And that's exactly what they did. Coach, uh, really going back to what you said earlier, no question that they're the best team we've seen so far this year. And I would think the best team we're going to see for a while. Is that fair to say? Well, you know, I don't know. You got, of course, our next one that we're concentrating on is UTSA. And right. Man, they, they score more runs than, than uh, Louisiana Tech. You know, looking at their stats this morning, they're hitting 297. As a, as a team, and that's that's as close to 300 as I've seen this year, you <laughs> yeah. know, of the old days. So yeah. they can really hit. I know that. I've watched their scores throughout the, uh, the year, and they can they can put up some runs. So, you know, every weekend, it's it, tough. Just, it is tough. It's just we've talked about how hard it is to win baseball games, and, and every weekend is going to prove just that. All right, we're talking to head baseball coach Scott Berry. Lots more to talk about upcoming road trip uh, out to Texas. Also, this four-game uh, weekend series uh, format that Conference USA is now playing. We're going to continue our conversation with Coach Berry on the other side of this short break. Stay with us. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour. You know, I had company here over the weekend that came down for baseball. And, of course, what must-to stop for them Saturday morning was Campus Bookmark. 
Uh, my buddy got him some new baseball T-shirts and a baseball hat at Campus Bookmark. You can do the same thing six days a week. They're open Monday through Saturday on Hardy Street across from the campus. And uh, you can also shop online at campusbookmark.net. Golden Eagles with a five-game week. That's finally <clears throat> excuse me, behind us. Uh, but the Golden Eagles with a long road trip uh, starting uh, to play Thursday afternoon at the Texas San Antonio. Uh, Coach Pat Hallmark is going to be on the Eagle Hour later in the week to tell us about his team. But uh, right now, of course, we've got our good friend, Coach Scott Berry. Coach, this is a long, tough trip. And uh, I know that these are not the greatest facilities in the world. And your guys have been playing at places like Alabama, South Alabama, Jacksonville State, of course, here. How how hard is that uh, for a team that is used to playing in front of big, ronky crowds uh, to go to a place where there really is no crowd atmosphere? Well, you know, I hope that, you know, our team will be mature enough to, to understand that, you know, just like the opponent, we're not trying to get up to who we're playing. We just want to play the game. And, and just like the facility, you know, let's don't get caught up in whether it's a good facility or not a good facility. Let's, you know, they got foul lines, they got a fence, they got a mound, let's play baseball, and that's mm-hmm. what we're going to have to really lock into. But, uh, you know, as we kind of talked off the air, UTSA historically has been a place where the atmosphere has not been uh, what what you would normally think of in Division One baseball, and you just have to really block it out, concentrate on, on executing and playing the game. Right. All right, Coach. Uh I did want to ask you, too, about the four-game series. You told me before we went on the air that every coach was opposed to that. And you said something that sort of startled me a little bit, that this could be a two-year deal. Is that right? That is correct. I think that is what was voted in. Now, the last Zoom call head coaches meeting that we had, we all were uh, approached our, our conference administrator to try to get this waived that we can go back to three nine-inning games next year. Uh, but, you know, he said that we could we could visit with the uh, with the, the athletic directors and those that make those calls in the committee and see what, what we could do with that. But it is a two-year uh, cycle that they have for this format. And uh, But, you know, each, each, each one of us all want to go back to the, the three-game series. Yeah. How, how put in perspective how much of a, of an additional strain that puts not only on your team but but all the teams. And here was a comment that was made to me and and you tell me if there's any validity to this. This was said to me over the weekend. What worries me is they're going to make all of our conference teams play these four game series and then you get to the end of the year and everybody's pitching staffs are exhausted from having to uh, pitch so much on the weekends and that could put us at a disadvantage in postseason play. Any validity to that? Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think so. You know, right now they've they've upped the roster size, travel size from twenty seven to thirty. So they did allow for a look a few more players, three more players to mm-hmm. to really take on more more innings uh, than what we normally play. So. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think so. As far as that goes, mm-hmm. what 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 hurts you is is that since we added eight games to eight weekends of conference, that takes away from your midweek games. So right. the guys that don't get to play as much, or that you really need to kind of see on the mound, you kind of throw them. Just like we, not that we're going to throw ten guys every time we play a midweek game, like we did at Alabama, but. 
it also gives people a chance to get sharp that maybe didn't get in over those four games, and you throw them in the midweek game so they'll be ready for the weekend or evaluate if you need to make any kind of change. But you lose those midweek games now because eight of them have gone to the weekends. Mm-hmm. So that, that hurts you, you know, with that, that spell of, of not having a midweek game to keep you sharp. Right, because oftentimes those are games that you're going to get some field time for kids that may not get that field time on the weekend, correct? 100%, because, you know, at, now not that every game isn't important, it is, but right now, I mean, obviously everybody's gearing up for those conference games. I mean, that's the most important. Uh, so, you know, those, those midweek games – would be not necessarily tune-up games, but just games that keep you fresh, keep everybody in rhythm, and and get you ready for the weekend. Right. Makes a lot of sense. Luke? Coach, uh, you may have answered this off the the uh, off the off bat with, with Bob. If you did, I missed it. I apologize. We can move on. But what's kind of your message to the team after this series? Because two games could have gone either way and then looking forward to this week. Well, I mean, just what you said. Uh, the message yesterday when we left is – you know how disappointed everybody is that we ended up the weekend one and three or and, and two and three on the week, but more importantly to understand the fact and learn from that we could have easily have been four and one or three and one on the weekend had we executed and and competed a little bit better in certain situations or made these plays here or made this pitch, however you want to size it up. Everything goes into that, uh, that, that, that win or loss in a game. And, and if we can learn from it and move forward, then hopefully we don't stub our toe the next opportunity we get. We, 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 we win from it. So that's all we can do right now. Zooming in on that a little bit, you know, a guy like Garrett Ramsey, man, he's been absolutely, you know, perfect. And he, he, like you said a, a minute ago, some of the defensive plays don't get there. How do you how do you coach a guy like that up or a young guy like Tyler Stewart that's been throwing pretty well? We talked about how good he was last weekend, and you know he gives up some some runs in, in an inning. Um, how do you coach those guys up specifically? Kids that have been having really good and really kind of faced the first hurdle in their college career at Southern Miss. Well, I think any time that you – the good ones, any time you have failure, they're going to be better for it because they're going to understand what brought it on um, and, and what happened in that process. But, you know, you mentioned a guy like Garrett Ramsey. To his defense, uh, you know, uh, we brought him in a situation that he had not been in the whole year. You know, he had always started an inning clean with nobody on, and we asked him to get three outs, and he was successful six out of six times in doing that. Yesterday, we're in game four of a weekend series that he hasn't even appeared in yet. Uh, at that point, and, and this was kind of the plan going into the game that me and Oz had, that you know, I basically said, hey, we, we can't sit around and wait and hope we get to use Ramsey at the end because we might not get to him. We, you know, He's good stuff. The problem is, is that Garrett came in in a situation that we really hadn't prepared him for, and, and he – and he'll be the first one to tell you it doesn't matter. I should have been prepared for it. But, you know, from from our standpoint, we've got to get him ready for that. You know, that's what we did with Sandlin his sophomore year. We went from his freshman year of just using him solely on the back end of the game as, as a save opportunity only to where we learned that there were games there his sophomore year that he wasn't even appearing in. And we've got to get him. His abilities have to show up and get in there 
and shut that game down, and hopefully we can then build some more runs and build a sort of cushion and then use other options at the end. And that's what we tried to do yesterday. It just it just didn't work. Last question for me. Um, you know, overall, looking at this weekend, we saw you in some key spots, you know, put some guys at the plate. Uh, just trying to get more guys with at bats in pressure situations uh, to try to get something started. Is that we can look like uh, look for that going forward as well? Also, are you talking about just some pinch hit opportunities? Is yeah, with guys, you had some starters in there, and then you you know we saw Garrity in a spot, we saw Wayne right. at a spot, you know some of those other guys. Well, I just think it was the matchup. You know, we just weren't weren't matching up, and it was uh, a situation there at the uh, at the end of the game where. When uh, when we hit Garrity, you know, for Stanley, we just felt like that that left on on a righty was going to be a better option than hitting Stanley right on right. And Stanley's more of a double play threat than Garrity from the left side. And and even though Billy hasn't, you know, had a lot of time, he's he's had good BP. And of course, he gave us a deep sacrifice fly. And if he pulled it a little bit more, he probably would hit a grand slam. In all honesty, but he hit it to the the, the hardest part of the park to hit out that day, and that was right center. You know, late in the game when we went with Wayne, I went with it just from the left side uh, with with one out. Thought maybe he might be able to run one out there. He takes BP pretty well. Dustin, I know, wasn't going to be able to lead the yard for sure to left field uh, with the wind blowing in. So, uh, you know, give Wayne a shot at it, see if he can get one out of there for us. And, of course, that didn't pan out either. So, uh, but no, just – just basically trying to use those matchups to, to win or get, get something going in a game. All right, Coach, short week. What is the schedule this week with you guys having to play on Thursday? Well, we'll practice today, take off tomorrow. Uh, we'll fly out there Wednesday. I think we leave out of New Orleans around 1130 Wednesday morning, get out there and practice on Wednesday. And then a single game on Thursday at 6, a doubleheader on Friday at Two, and then we had to make a schedule adjustment because they made a flight change on us. They moved our flight up, so now we have to play at 10 a.m. after a doubleheader, uh, play 10 a.m. on Saturday, a single nine on Saturday. Right. So, Come home on Saturday and have Easter, right? That's exactly right. Yes. All right, Coach. Well, Coach, we always enjoy our conversations with you, and uh, we look forward to following the team all weekend. Best of luck to you. We look forward to having you back on the Eagle Hour next Monday. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Coach Scott Berry, everybody, the very, very best. And we always appreciate uh, always appreciate that Coach Berry's honesty and willingness to come on the show, whether it's been a good or bad weekend. And that's just a sign of a great coach. We'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. Always thankful for head baseball coach Scott Berry to join us as he does on Mondays. Greatly appreciate 
His time on the Eagle Hour. Third segment brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill every single day. Never know what they're going to serve in that 895 lunch. Pulled pork tacos were on the menu today. Elite Eight action tonight in the NCAA tournament and tomorrow night. And, then, of course, Final Four uh, next week. So uh, you can see all those games at 4th Street Bar and Grill. And I assume, uh, I, I, as always, they will have Southern Miss baseball this weekend out in uh, UTSA. So 4th Street Bar and Grill. Proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. From the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel, Luke Johnson. Bob Getty, happy to have you along on a beautiful, sunny uh, Monday. Another one of those days, guys, where uh, just kind of wondering what that is in the sky. Hadn't seen it for quite a while, but thankful the sun's out today. Kelly Sander joins us on the phone. And, and Kelly, uh, just to kind of bookend our conversation with Coach Barry, he you know he said uh, what, what he told the team yesterday. This was a, a game where on... Friday night, you could have won that one had you got key hits in the eighth and the ninth. It was a game that you absolutely crushed on on uh, game one on Saturday. Game uh, three, uh, which was Saturday night, you tip your hat to their pitching staff. And then yesterday, you jump out to an early lead, and your dependable bullpen and defense that's been playing better kind of blows it for you. And, you know, you, you look at this weekend, Kelly, I mean, Eagles could have been 2-2, 3-1 easy. Yeah, and, and look, these are the top two teams in, in the West – now the teams in the east are getting a lot more credit by some of the pollsters than, than maybe they deserve but, but that's the thing about baseball is is one little play here or there you know generally in football if your team is bigger and faster you're going to win right like 90 percent of the time um you're not necessarily you you would think that well louisiana tech winning three out of four on the road you'd think that tech is head and shoulders better than southern miss just based on that statistic alone but not true I mean, it's just, it was just a, a break here or there. The Eagles had the lead yesterday afternoon. You know, we're, we're cruising along until about the sixth inning, and then, you know, like you say, the bullpen came in and gave up some runs, and then they even battled back, you know, to tie it. And um, you'd think, okay, they're going to pull this one out of the fire, and it just, it just didn't happen. Um, but that's, that's probably the best team you're going to see in the whole league. And, and granted, it was, it was in Hattiesburg, but um, – just one of those back, you know, one of those like Scott said, could've, you could have been four and zero even. Right. Um, They're yeah, very good, was, Kelly. Tech is. Yeah, very, sure very they good. are. Yeah, sure they are. Uh, so now Eagles. Uh, you, it just makes it a little tougher now. You're going to have to go over to Ruston and try to do the same thing. Right. Which is possible. I mean, that's what you look forward to is, yeah. is to uh, to return the favorite. Southern Miss drops after after we won game two. We went up to like twenty nine in RPI. I don't understand how RPI works now. Southern Miss drops to 54 overall. Louisiana Tech at number seven. Golden Eagles, according to Warren Nolan right now, have a non-conference strength to schedule ranked 71st. Overall, their strength to schedule is 32nd. So uh, Eagles are four and five right now against those in quadrant one, the highest ranked RPI teams, five and three against quadrant two so you know kelly um you you lose it would have been awesome to split that's kind of what we thought would be a realistic expectation but you don't get you don't get crushed in rpi losing uh three to the number seven rpi team and the thing that's more intriguing about what you just said luke is their non-conference strength of schedule what'd you say it was non-conference 71 71 all right 71 now you're playing mississippi state you're playing south alabama twice Three times, you know, yeah, yeah. Overall, right. how how is how is that weak? Right, Alabama. You know, the, don't forget them. You throw yeah, in Alabama. Alabama, right? Of course, of yeah. course. 
So that's what I don't understand. The whole RPI thing I never really have understood. But when you put Southern Miss at 71st in a non-conference strength of schedule, are you kidding me? Alabama, South Alabama, uh, Mississippi State. I'd part like of to it's know. because I'd like to know. Part of it's because yeah. of of Lafayette. Lafayette is in the hundreds right now. That's part of it. Missouri State is in the the hundreds right now. I think Jacksonville State is right around one hundred, and that's the reason those those three schools that we thought would be just a little better. Jacksonville State's right at a hundred, and Lafayette is at. Seven okay, Lafayette's actually seventy first now, so that that helps it. But you know, some yeah, of these other but, schools we but, thought were going to be in the top sixty aren't. But but when Jeremy and, and uh, you know, Jeremy McClain and Scott Barry are putting that schedule together, you would you would sure th- I, and I and I said this and I've, I'll say it again. This is one of the strongest schedules, if not the strongest overall schedule that Southern Miss has ever had, and it's still only good for seventy first. I'd like to know who the number one non conference schedule is. And uh, if they're playing the Yankees and Red Sox uh, <laughs> <laughs> in their non-district schedule, I just don't. I just right. don't see that's a reasonable number. No, well, we're in the wrong conference to get the benefit of the doubt on anything, Kelly. We all know that, right? Well, there's only only two conferences now that are going to get the benefit of the doubt. That one that begins with an S, and the one that's that's really making some noise in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. How about the pack? The, the, the Pac-12 doing uh, good out there. Yeah. Or the Pac-10 or however many they've got now out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you had some kind of bad news. You said that it doesn't appear two of our guys that we were really hoping were going to make the Indians' final roster. Looks like they're going to be playing uh, in the in the club below that, right? At least to start the year. Well, the Indians did release their starting day roster today. Nick Sandlin is not on it. You know, the relief pitcher for Southern Miss and, and Kirk McCarty is, is not there either. Sandlin probably more of a, of a surprise than Kirk, not because Kirk is not very able. He certainly is, but he's just, you know, a little bit younger and just, just a different, uh, you know, came in a little bit later than, than Sandlin. But, no, neither one of them are on there. Bobby Bradley, who played uh, high school baseball down on the coast, and I think he played um, – he was either at Biloxi or Harrison, Harrison Central, I think he played. It looked like he was maybe going to get a shot uh, to make the Indians opening day roster, but he did not as, He did not either. So none, none of the Mississippi guys that had a chance to make the Indians uh, opening day roster are on there, but that doesn't mean they're not going to be there you know, at some point later on in the year. Other things, you guys, uh, dealing with Conference USA, congratulations to the Rice women they won the uh, NIT this weekend, seventy-one to fifty-eight. Even better, they beat Ole Miss. Here, 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 Rice. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the Rice women finished with a twenty-three and four overall record. Now that that Rice women's team is really putting together quite a resume. They won the WBI, the Women's uh, Basketball Invitational, in two thousand seventeen. Now have an NIT championship to go with that in 2021, and so much was made yesterday of, of Alabama's poor performance down the stretch in the men's game where they just could not make a free throw. The Rice women in that NIT championship game shot 50% from the field, 50%, and more importantly, shot from the free throw line 100%. They made every single of their 17 attempts. And, 17. and look, I don't want to take anything away from them. So congratulations. That's, that's a great feat. But what did you say their record was, Kelly? Twenty-three and four. And they were not invited to the NCAA tournament, right? Cor- correct. Is it, they would have had to. They would have had to have won the, the conference tournament. 
and they were beaten by, I believe, Middle Tennessee. Is that ever going to change? That just seems so wrong to me. It really needs to. And when you look at North Texas, North Texas men won an opening round game this year. Like, you know, the Big Ten continues to bomb. The Big 12 was awful this year in the tournament. Now, again, the Pac-12 is really making it quite a name for itself. Mm-hmm. But all, all these other quote-unquote major conferences continue to bomb in the NCAA tournament. All right, well, why not, why not give at least a second Conference USA team a chance? And while we're on that subject, Bob, the Louisiana Tech men finished uh, their season 23-8. and eight. They lost to Mississippi State in the semifinals of the men's NIT tournament. Uh, so it was a great season for Louisiana Tech. Of course, Western Kentucky didn't get in the field uh, either in, uh, in the NCAA tournament. But La Tech, Western Kentucky, either of those would have been a, a good pair to go with uh, North Texas into the men's tournament. And the final little bit about a lot of things, Patrick Sertan, Jr., whose dad, of course, uh, roamed the defensive backfield for Southern Miss. He continues to be making waves in the NFL draft talk. He keeps moving up and up and up, according to all the experts. They say now that if things go a certain way, that Sertan may be drafted in the top six in the entire NFL draft coming up this season. The Dallas Cowboys have said publicly they hope that he's still sitting there at 10 because uh, they have great interest in Patrick Sertan, Jr., Cowboys ain't going to take a defensive player. When's the last time that Jerry Jones <laughs> took defense in the first round? I'm going to look it up. So, so you think maybe you think maybe they're just playing with him, huh? You just signed maybe. Dak Prescott to a $3 trillion extension. You really going to get defense in the first round? Well, maybe, uh, maybe you need to start to because um, when you look at some of these great NFL teams over the years, it hasn't been the offense, but, and I'm no disrespect you. to the offense, but it's been the defense that wins championships. Well, yeah, you know, all, all we heard you. this year was about Tom Brady. Understandably, he's a great player, but that that Bucks defense was pretty salty center, and, and uh, they made it kind of hard on everybody that played them in the playoffs. That, that's what I'm saying. Of course, uh, a lot of people are saying that the Cowboys' defense has had a drug problem for years, but they get drug up and down the field. Uh, <laughs> Hold on. So, I need to issue an like apology <laughs> to Jerry Jones because I know he's listening. Yeah, they sure actually drafted a linebacker in 2018. They drafted Van Der Esch in, in 2000. I'm sorry, Jerry. I uh, yeah, I think there's a little question that Jones tunes into this show every day at, uh, <laughs> yeah. at 1 o'clock. And, and if he cared what we had to say anyway. Right? <laughs> we'll be back. To the top. DBAT and D1 Training in Hattiesburg bring you the final segment of the Eagle Hour every single day. DBATHattiesburg.com. Both of those great places to go are located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. DBAT and D1, proud sponsors of the Eagle Hour. First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Luke and Bob Kelly joining us on the phone. 
Southern Miss participated in the Bulldog Relays this past weekend. Several Golden Eagles uh, did great. The women's 4x100 relay team of Jasmine Burns, Trinity Flager, Savia Varnell, and Trinity Benson were first, and so uh, congratulations to them. Both of the high jumps, both of our guys, Corvell Todd and Eric Richards, both won, uh, finished first and second in the men's high jump. Coach Stewart saying that uh, he was confident and uh, glad they had a really good day and a really good meet. So congratulations to uh, Golden Eagles. A lot of Golden Eagles finished second and third. Go on Twitter to the Southern Miss Track and Field uh, Twitter handle, and they just line through how many top four finishes Golden Eagles had. This weekend, they will gear up for this coming weekend, Friday and Saturday, the Southern Miss Invitational in Hattiesburg. Golf finished 14th up at Old Waverly. Bryce Wilkinson uh, finished uh, 22nd overall and shot a final round of 73. Uh, volleyball drops two to uh, UTEP, and I believe that will close out the season uh, for indoor volleyball. Beach volleyball in action today in Hattiesburg as they take on New Orleans, Spring Hill, and southeastern Louisiana all day long today. So if you're out and about, you can catch a beach volleyball um, match today, and, and what a beautiful day it is for that. Uh, Kelly, spring football, and, and like you said, I think you're the one that said it two weeks ago, Saturday was a uh, more of a wrap-up practice of of spring practice. Uh, it was, they did have good on good in some ways. Good reports uh, from Trey Lowe. I heard Trey Lowe had an excellent day. T-Web threw the ball well. A lot of people pleased with uh, the defensive line and, and that really moving around the pieces on the offensive line, bringing Fletcher to center, uh, Doss to tackle, uh, Foxworth, of course, in there at guard and moving some of those pieces around. But you were the first one to say it and uh, the approach, I guess, uh, what you were leaning towards, it allowed Will Hall uh, a week ago to really get uh, things on tape so that he could work them out this week and not have to wait till August. Yeah, and I think I think the the most underscored thing of, of spring training, and I think the biggest uh, surprise, if, if, and I, I use that term kind of loosely because everybody knew about his ability. What Will Hall has implemented offensively is a perfect fit for Trey Lowe. Make no mistake, barring injury, Trey Lowe is the man. Trey Lowe is the quarterback of this football team, and he is good. This, this system is a perfect fit for him. And I think that people are really going to not only, not only are they going to like the way this offense runs, they're going to be entertained with what they see. Because the skill set that Trello has, and, and, and any smart coach in any sport will change the way that they implement based on the personnel that they have. If you, in baseball, if you have a bunch of singles and doubles hitters, you know, you're, you're not going to design your team around home runs. Obviously, you're going to want some speed to move those guys, you know, guys that can run and, and move around as well. And that's what they've done to, to really um, accentuate the skill set of Trey Lowe. I think you guys really, he, but he's the guy. Make no mistake about it. Trey Lowe's the man. Let me steal the last minute and a half of the show here. Real quickly, I want to remind everybody about Conference USA over the weekend. Middle Tennessee UAB split a Four-game series, uh, Old Dominion won three out of four against Florida International. Charlotte won three out of four against Western Kentucky. Florida Atlantic, our friends out there, swept Marshall four games to none. Texas San Antonio, the Eagles opponent this week, won three of four from Rice. And, of course, Tech beat Southern Miss three out of four games. 
And Kelly Sander, the the Minnesota Twins have a new player development associate that was announced uh, this weekend. Do you by any chance know who that is? Yeah, Bob, thank you. You're embarrassing me, but but never more proud to say my son, John Carter Sander, was uh, uh, he'd been working in statistics and data for Major League Baseball as a corporation, but the Twins really, really liked the work that he did, and um, and they've hired him, and he's going to be working. He's going to be developing and, and watching the talent down in their their rookie league team down in um, Saint. What is it? No, Fort Fort Myers is where mm-hmm. that. Uh, so it actually, as we talk right now, he's on his way down to Fort Myers. But um, well, good for him. Great thanks. kid, great kid, and uh, couldn't be happier for him. See this picture of him. He's a good-looking kid. Thank God he took after his mother. And I know Kelly that uh, I know that uh, you got to be proud of him. He's a fine young man. Well, you know, I, I've never known him to be very emotional. But when but when he took the offer, you know, he said, "Dad, you just have no idea how hard it is to get into Major League Baseball." And I said, uh, <laughs> "The only way I've ever known is to buy a ticket." <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> And and he said, you know, if things progress, he said he and Matt Walner might actually, their, their paths are probably going to cross somewhere down the road. There you, you know? go. Well, extend our congratulations to him when you talk to him next. Thank you, Bob. And real quick, the number one team that had the toughest non-conference schedule, Alcorn. And they played Stop. Old Miss and New Orleans. Stop. That's, that's, what, true, that, that, that's why, people, you don't worry about rankings in college baseball. Uh, because right. it's just almost impossible to figure out. Right. All right, the show continues tomorrow at 1 o'clock. We hope you'll join us then. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. Into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.